Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to this episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. This is Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. I'm joined as always by Frank Borelli, editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Going all right, Paul. Going all right. Doing a lot better today than I was yesterday. Uh, obviously, folks, this is this is going to be published on September 13th of 2023, being recorded on the 12th. Yesterday was actually the 11th. And uh, I don't know about you, Paul, but it, it, 9-11, you know, September 11th is still a very emotional day for me every year. It's for me as well, Frank. And yeah, today is going to be the September 11th tribute episode. Um, yeah, this is it, it's, you know, very tough to look back Um on the events and yeah, it's something that we really all, you know, have to remember. Um, I, I, I think that as the years go on and, you know, our kids get older, um, that it, it's something that they might not think of as much kind of like, you know, like something like D-Day where, where you look back on it and it's, you know, you may not have been alive. It's, it's something that you're kind of taught in school, but, um, yep. you, you know, everybody who comes after has to to carry that on and really be able to, you know, look at it and learn from it. And yeah, so, so yesterday marked the, the 22, the, sorry, 22nd anniversary. Um, I, I was last, uh, in ground zero for, for an anniversary on the 10th anniversary. And that was a uh, very moving, very powerful. Um, and, and yeah, you know, a lot, a lot has changed down there since then. And uh, we'll continue to change around that memorial. So, yeah, ba- basically, we're going to talk about um, the Ground Zero site. We're going to talk about Shanksville and um, the Pentagon and j- just some of our memories, um, some of what Frank was involved with, um, you know, in, in that, you know, D.C. area um, when, when that went down and um, when, when he was uh, working on duty back then. And, and yeah, so we'll, we'll get into it here. So a, a total of um, 72 law enforcement officers perished that day on September 11, 2001 um, in, in the terrorist attacks that, you know, ha- happened at sites at um, World Trade Center in New York City, at the Pentagon in Arlington, and at a field in Shanksville um, when the plane went down. Uh, so it was... You know, on that day, it was um, you know, more you than... You know what, Paul? Uh, it was a beautiful yeah. day. I hate to say it. Uh, no, that morning was such a beautiful morning. The weather was, well, at least where I was in Maryland, the weather was clear. Um, you know, the temperatures weren't horrible. It was it was a beautiful day. I, I, was, um, I was working uh, a contract job a couple hours away from where I live. I had to go around the Washington Beltway to get it. And I had my windows open. I can remember that the windows were open. It was a gorgeous ride. Got up, set up, got to work. Um, and, and it was being a beautiful morning until um, my own, well, till the incident started happening. The first plane hit and it was on the news. Uh, and I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. I, oh, I know okay. uh, I'm going to hand this back over to you and you talk about, God, it was a gorgeous morning um, until the terrorist attack started. Yeah, it was I, I mean that was I was in college at the time. I went to school in Western Maryland, uh, not not too far from the Shanksville site in Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, it was 
it, it was just another day. It was a beautiful morning and um, it really, it really changed a lot of things for, for everybody, you know, um, especially those who of course responded. So yeah, not only um, those of who, who were killed on that day, but also the 9-11 related uh, illnesses from, from the ground zero site, there's been uh, more than 350 deaths um, of officers since um, and it continues to grow da- uh, yearly. So we have a list of uh, the officers who died um, on the site. You can find that uh, on the homepage and on our coverage pages. But then Frank also wrote a, uh, a tribute um, that we posted that it's like the day before September 11th. It's up on the site, remembering 9-11, 22 years later. If you can talk a little bit about that piece, Frank, and how uh, what, what thoughts enter your mind when you look back. You know, I, I think the thoughts that that enter everybody's mind, if you were alive then and old enough to remember it, um, you know, we 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 everybody I know that fits into that category has clear memories of where they were uh, how they first heard about the attacks, what they saw on TV or what they didn't, um, how uh, our government continued to react through the day. Um, you know, and, and what I try to focus on, because I think a lot of us experience the emotional pain and the angst. Uh, a lot of us experience the anger. And uh, for me, I know those are never going away. Um, I, I, there was a complete feeling of shock and I think if it happened today, that shock would be just as fresh, you know, um, it's kind of a national arrogance that we might hold, I guess is the only way I can say it. When you think about it, the last time uh, our country was attacked in such a noticeable fashion, was it Pearl Harbor? Um, you know, and we remember it, like you said, it's one of those things you learn about in school and you know, it was a significant event, but you weren't, you didn't live through it. Uh, with, with September 11th, 2001, we lived through it. We, we actually saw it on television. Um, and just the, 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 the surprise that anybody in the whole world could actually dare do this to the United States of America. Um, it's a shock to the system. It's a shock to the conscience and to see it unfold and, and, and deal with all of it at the time. Um, I was, uh, still in the national guard. I was in a a combat engineering company. And, uh, like I said, I was working a contract site. Uh, it was in Rockville. It was about two hours drive from where I live Southeast of DC. Um, I was sitting at my desk. And uh, the owner of the company came as it was a a satellite communications company. And the owner came over to my cubicle and he said, Hey, something's going on in New York. You need to come in the conference room and look at this. And I walked in to the conference room and they had uh, the world trade centers on television. And I walked in just in time to see the second plane hit. And it was, I'll never forget this because a gentleman was an oddity in my life. He was a six foot, eight inch tall gentleman of Chinese descent. And he looked at me and he said, oh, my God, we're at war. And little did he know just how right he was, um, you know, and, and uh, everybody in the company agreed, look, we all need to get out of here. We all need to go home. It took me almost four and a half, five hours to get home going around the Washington Beltway because they were evacuating Washington, D.C. 
I was listening on the radio as they were talking about car bombs and potential threats and everything else and the radios, uh, you know, the air traffic being closed down. Called, finally got through to my wife, told her to get the kids out of school, bring them home. Um, it, it was it was a, a really emotionally stressful, trying morning. I'm sure it was for everybody. Um, I, I guess I was maybe an hour and a half into my drive home and my, my cell phone rang and it was my readiness NCO saying, hey, get your kit, get all your gear. You got to be at the unit by noon. And I was like, I'm thinking by noon, I'm not even going to be home by noon. I got to go home and get everything. And then I'll get there as fast as I can. It's pretty much what I told him. And we were on alert for 30 days. I remember National Guard units, a unit I had previously been in, was deployed to Baltimore Washington International Airport as uh, security patrols. I found out just yesterday that in some places in New Jersey, they took the, the ROTC cadets, the ROTC cadets, and put them with National Guard members in the airports for security. And I, I'd never known that had been done. Um, looking back at it, it, it's it's just one of those memories that I really wish I didn't have, but it was, I'm glad I'm not learning about it in school. I'm glad that, it's hard to say this, I'm glad I lived through it. I'm glad that we experienced it and we're not just hearing about it after the fact. I think the impact of it is greater that way. Yeah, and I, I started working for uh, the company, this company, in, in 2006. So, you know, if you're just a few years after 9-11 and, and when, um, you know, I worked at newspapers beforehand and to be able to work for a company, you know, we have a uh, firehouse magazine as well. And I worked for both fire and officer at the time. And um, just, you know, having that in the back of my mind, 9-11, um, you know, first responders really all of a sudden held to the general public a, a, a greater importance um, than than they did before. It's sad that something like that that has to happen for us to really appreciate uh, something that you know officers and firefighters alike have done for you know years and years before that. Um, but it really showed, you know, that first responders are the ones that run in, you know, to the danger when everybody else is running out. Um, and and so yeah, that really held a great importance and does for all of us. Um, but yeah. Uh, I guess moving on through this, Frank, uh, you know, I, I really uh, suggest everybody look at our coverage from the 20th uh, anniversary from the the magazine that we put out um, for the September 11, 2001, um, sorry, September um, 2021 issue of Officer Magazine. And we have a lot of stuff in there that's still applicable today. Um, we have pieces about the you know, response to the Pentagon how uh, 9-11 impacted patrol, uh, the vehicles that were used, uh, resources on 9-11, and just, uh, you know, a, a bunch of different uh, articles that we had in that that, you know, you guys can go and read and really hopefully take a lot um, from. But if you can, um, Frank, just talk about a couple of the things from that day that, you know, that were learned, kind of lessons that... Uh, that looking back that, you know, officers, command staff still use today. So before I do that, you know, we mentioned our, our sister publication firehouse earlier, we talked about the 70 officers 
that died that day and the over 350 that have died from complications that day. I want to honor and uh, and remember the 343 firefighters uh, that died that day. Uh, and I'm sure, I don't, I don't know what the number is that have died since then uh, with, with complications from the response, health complications caused by their response and exposure. But let's not forget them as well. We're all on the same team. Um, as to the lessons learned, Paul, you know, uh, interoperability and communications has become a huge focus uh, for everybody. Um, we, we realized that day that a lot of our systems that we thought were so unbreakable were easily broken. Um, you know, we, I think everybody and their brother had a, a repeater or some kind of booster system on top of the World Trade Centers. And, and when they collapsed, uh, you know, we, we had whole communication systems covering most of Manhattan that were inaccessible. Um, you know, all of our cell phone data transmission services were overwhelmed. We realized that uh, Harbor Patrol out of New Jersey couldn't talk even to uh, the emergency command center in New York when it was operating. We had so many different challenges we, we've learned from and are finally overcoming uh, it's definitely a process. Uh, on another historical note, uh, and we have to see the value of this, the largest maritime rescue event uh, in history, in documented history, occurred that day. More than 500,000, more than a half a million people were evacuated from lower Manhattan by boat. Uh, it was it's it's one of those things they don't talk about that much because we talk about the property damage. And obviously we talk about the lives lost. We, we, you know, sometimes we ought to focus on the lives that were saved. And when you've got over a half a million of them evacuated from lower Manhattan by boat, that, that's an amazing, an amazing event. Um, and then, uh, you know, a, a lesson I don't think we can afford to ever forget uh, is the lesson taught by the citizens on flight 93 who refused to be victims, who found out what was going on, uh, and who simply refused to allow, to sit by and do nothing while the plane was used to attack America, so they fought back. And, you know, sadly, they weren't able to get control of the plane, and the plane crashed in Shanksville, and we, and we memorialized them there. Um, but it, it's one of the greatest questions I've ever heard, and, and the answers it's given is, you know, how long did it take the United States of America to respond to the attacks of 9-11. Well, collectively, it took hours, if not weeks. But Americans, the citizens on Flight 93, responded immediately. And that's the power of America, and that's what's been told to me time and time again, is our enemies might not fear America, but they damn sure better and do fear Americans. Uh, we're the strength of it, and that was demonstrated no better ever than by the, those citizens on Flight 93. Um, and then the stories that come out of the Pentagon after the attacks there, uh, it's kind of amazing when we look at our military and what they will step up and do. I mean, we all know about the, the global war on terror and everything that followed 9-11, but, you know, what about the story about the Marines that grabbed cribs and infants and evacuated the daycare center at the Pentagon and carried them almost three-fourths of a mile away? And then set them up almost like they were, you know, uh, wagons circling to keep out the Indians attacking, right? You see this image in the old Western movies. They set up all these cribs 
in a circle and put all the toddlers and stuff inside that circle. And then they stood guard around the circle and uh, nobody ordered them to do that. It needed done. They did it. Um, that kind of dedication too often goes overlooked and unappreciated. And I think that's a huge mistake. We need to remember uh, all of those who served and, and responded and, and we need to honor that. And, and, I know there are people today who don't want to talk about 9-11. They, they don't want to memorialize it. They don't want to commemorate it. They don't want to think about it. And I get that. It hurts to think about. It's angering to think about. By the same token, we owe it to all of the men and women who stepped up that day to, to say thank you as often as we can and to remember what they did. So Frank, you talk about the uh, you know the changes since and with interoperability, um, just technology as a whole has advanced so much. Um, you think even cell phone technology, the BlackBerry was introduced in what 1999, so it was that that was only a couple years old. Just cell phones in general hadn't advanced very much. the The iPhone wasn't introduced until 2007. And you just think about how far we've come with. Uh, you know, cell phone technology with the interoperability, um, but but also with security enhancements that that really, you know, that was a touch point when it comes to security in airports, security at, you know, events. Um, a lot of the security we have today, uh, heightened security, uh, didn't really exist um, at, at a lot of, you know, go to amusement parks or concerts or bigger events. It, it just wasn't there. Um which you know you could view in a way as as a bad thing in some ways because we're just a very you know cautious society now after 9/11 but but um you just think of all the the attacks and all the incidents that have been you know avoided because of security uh and, and the technology uh, uh, and we're never going to know about all of them yeah. that have been avoided yeah. and that that's that's both a, a blessing and a curse right yeah. we're we don't feel the impact of it day to day because we don't know how, how close we came. Uh, but the curse is we start to take security for granted to feel like we can't be victims again. And, and so then we let our guard down. It's it, like I said, it's a mixed blessing. So Frank, to wrap this up, if you can just talk a little bit about the, the impact that nine 11 has had on just day to day patrol on the officer out on the street, um, because it has, you know, a lot of the technology and a lot of the, things that have been de developed since um, that are used by agencies. How do you think uh, an officer, an officer's job, a patrol officer's job has changed since before 9-11 up until this point? Well, I think a lot of the technology that's changed is hidden in the background and not really appreciated. Um, as the example, I'll give you the development in interoperability and overlaid systems uh, you know, in, in September 2001, most of us were rating, were relying on LMR or uh, land mobile radios, right? And if you lost a booster, you lost a repeat or whatever, your radio was only good for a half mile, mile line of sight. Um, now we have an overlaid digital data system, cellular phone system that, um, and it's being built into what you hold in your hand and call your radio. So if the land mobile radio system doesn't work, it defaults to the, the cellular system, or it can default to the cellular system, depending on what equipment you have. And that kind of redundancy, like I said, it's technology that's hidden in the background, but it empowers um, more efficient and, and 
more reliable communications. Um, interestingly, there's products now available coming out from companies like FirstNet where they can locate your handheld unit, not just by address, but by elevation. So imagine the value of that capability on 9-11 when those attacks occurred. We can give you the address for World Trade Center North Tower, but you've got somebody who needs assistance on the eighth floor. You have no way of knowing that unless somebody said it's the eighth floor. Now we have technology that can track that radio to that address and that elevation um, by default. Uh, you know, the location systems are just a, a wonderful thing. As far as the human base side, the people, um, I think awareness is still our greatest tool. Um, certainly our training has changed somewhat. We're more alert to uh, biological weapons, radiological weapons. We're more alert to behaviors that we might have just cast aside or ignored previously. And now we're, we're more, we, we pay better attention. And I, I think that should be the goal of everybody. I mean, for every American, everybody everywhere in this country, uh, you know, they say, if you see something, say something. A lot of people don't say anything because they're embarrassed if they're wrong. Well, it's like the guy who, uh, you know, I, I'll put it this way. It's like the soldier in the combat zone. If he sees a flash of light, and he, do, and he thinks, well, that could be a reflection off of a, a, an optic, somebody aiming a gun at me, and he does nothing, well, he could die. He could get shot. If he does something, he dives behind cover, and it turns out it, it was just a reflection off of somebody's glasses or something, then he looks kind of silly, and he's embarrassed. But if you do nothing, you potentially die. If you do something, you're potentially embarrassed. I'll take the potential embarrassment all day. And that's where that see something, say something comes in. I think our awareness in law enforcement is much greater. And I think our teamwork levels, our willingness to share information, work together in task forces um, for the for the overall security of the country. I, I think we've done a lot better in the last 20 years than we ever did before. I'd like to thank everybody again for joining us for this episode of the officer roll call podcast as always if you have uh, any suggestions questions things you want to share with us you can reach us at editors at officer.com and uh is there anything you want to say uh to close us out frank as always i want to tell everybody to stay safe i want to thank our public safety responders um we're gonna do this every year the people out here who don't feel it needs to be commemorated we in public safety above all have to remember the sacrifices that were made and the lessons learned but Paul, thank, thanks for uh, for being my, I don't know, master of ceremonies and, and keeping me from going off that crying edge because Lord knows this, it, the topic makes me very emotional. So I appreciate your uh, the other half of that conversation, sir. Well, no problem, Frank. And yeah, just thank you everybody for joining us and uh, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.